Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day with me, none other than Francesca, Rebel HQ contributor, all star, remarkable human being. Should be fascinating. Top story of the day, Rudy Giuliani is being sued by his friend and attorney for over $1 million. Here it is. Elsewhere in Trump legal news, Rudy Giuliani is drowning in debt. And now his own lawyer is suing him for unpaid legal fees. That's according to a lawsuit from Robert Costello, who alleges that Giuliani failed to pay him and his law firm for legal services related to election interference cases in Georgia and Washington, D.C., and a variety of other legal matters. They claim Giuliani is on the hook for nearly $1.4 million in outstanding fees and that he only paid a fraction of the tab, just $214,000 since November 2019, which is when he first retained Costello. However, the complaint does say that Giuliani made a partial payment of $10,000 last week. In response, Giuliani criticized both the lawsuit and Costello. Yep, lawsuit because of his own actions. Remember this? Rudy Giuliani is conceding that he made false statements about Georgia election workers. That's right, in a court filing, he does not dispute falsely claiming two of those workers committed ballot fraud during the 2020 presidential election. However, Giuliani also doesn't admit his statements caused damage. This comes in the defamation lawsuit brought by Ruby Freeman and Andrea Shea Moss in 2021. Remember the two black women? He decided to make villains due to his lies. They were physically threatened. People showed up at their homes. Individuals tried to kill them. Their lives were flipped upside down. In order to get a semblance of justice, they had to sue Giuliani for defamation. He admitted to defamation without acknowledging damage to them. So now, He's broke, busted, and been disgusted. His friend is suing him. Let's get into it. Rudy Giuliani owes nearly $1.4 million to a law firm that represented him in investigations related to his attempts to overturn the 2020 presidential election. The firm says in a new lawsuit against Giuliani. The lawsuit filed in Manhattan State Court on Monday alleges Giuliani agreed to pay over $1.5 million to the law firm, Davidoff. Hutcher and Citron under the retainer agreement, but has only paid about $214,000 to date. Um, now, why is it they got the $214,000? Well, basically, that's the money he had to pay up front. So the rule is, if you get your money up front, that's all the money you're getting out of Giuliani. He may give you a few more pennies later. Let's put him up for a mass. You know who has decided not to play the radio? Robert Costello, that's who. He has decided to sue his friend, Rudy Giuliani. He's a partner at the firm, longtime friend of Giuliani, is also a plaintiff in the lawsuit. Giuliani made a token payment of $10,000 this earlier this month, which still leaves a balance of $1,360,196 and some change. 
the irony of it all. You can see Giuliani on the phone saying, okay, come, come on, Robert. I'm, I'm gonna send you 10,000 uh, mm-hmm. this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's your cash app? I'm gonna go ahead and send that to you, all right? You know I'm good for it. So the reason Zell? why they're, <laughs> right, do you have Zale? The reason why they're suing you, Giuliani, is because they realize one thing. You do not have the ability to earn another penny in your natural life and you're likely going to the pokey. And they know no in hell other than your assets. Do you have anything left? There's more. Costello represented Giuliani from 2019 until, well, this summer. The suit says he advised Giuliani on special counsel Jack Smith's investigation into January 6, 2021, the attack on the US Capitol, a criminal probe by federal prosecutors in Manhattan, prosecutor Fannie Willis's investigation in Fulton, attempts to overturn 2020, the 2020 election in Georgia, congressional inquiry, attorney disciplinary proceedings that could cost <laughs> Giuliani his license to practice law, and more than 10 civil lawsuits. Giuliani and Costello are longtime friends. Both were prosecutors in the US Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York in the 1970s. By the time Giuliani ran for New York City Mayor, in the 1990s, Costello was a major financial supporter of his campaign. That's according to New York Law Journal. So what did Giuliani say? He said, and I quote, I can't express how personally hurt I am by what Bob Costello has done. Giuliani said in the statement to Insider, it's a real shame when lawyers do things like this. Sir, you're not a lawyer anymore. And I, and all I will say, is that their bill is way in excess to anything approaching legitimate fees. Costello didn't immediately respond to request a comment. I mean, Sir, you signed the contract, I, I don't understand. So maybe you could shed some light on this. <laughs> no, and also these are major cases like the right. this <laughs> this is massive litigation right like these are federal crimes that he's being prosecuted for and yeah it's not just like oh these fees are too high no man if it were like a traffic accident they'd be high but that that seems pretty fair like in all this this world of like trump criminology cuz let's be honest the name here is trump Right. Rudy Giuliani's been working for Trump. Guess who owes Rudy Giuliani, former lawyer, as you you named and said correctly. But Rudy Giuliani is owed millions of dollars from Donald Trump. He's not getting that money. Again, he's been, I've made this joke many times, he's been paid off in Kirkland handles of vodka. Like that's how right. he gets paid. And now his own lawyer's like, no, 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 I don't get paid. Now, like you actually have to pay me. It's not just a handshake here. And and, and Doc, this is on top of, I mean, the civil lawsuits. I don't know if that also includes the sexual assault allegations from Rudy Giuliani's um, staffer. Like the guy, I mean, this is what happens when you crime, crime on crime. And when you're honestly, let's be real, when you're trash, when you're just yeah. a trash human being, this is what it's gonna come to. And you're not Trump. People don't, MAGA doesn't rally around Giuliani, so who knows? I uh, uh, pour one out. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, something tells me uh, he's hitting the sauce pretty hard this week. Yes. All right.
Hell of a thing, a student, because of a hairstyle, gets suspended. Comes back to school, change hairstyle, gets suspended again. Put up the picture for a mask. You would have assumed schools learned their lesson. A black Texas high school student who was suspended because of his lock hairstyle, according to the district, it violated the dress code, was then suspended again upon his return to school. The student has been suspended for more than two weeks because his lock hairstyle violates the Barber's Hill Independent School District dress code and grooming code. The code states that male students' hair will not extend at any time below the eyebrows or below the earlobes. Let's put up the mom and son. So George, who's a junior at the high school, received multiple disciplinary action notes, was placed on in-school suspension for wearing his lock, his locks hairstyle in a ponytail. His mother, her name is Darisha, previously told CNN. She said her son was suspended the same week. The state's Crown Act, a law prohibiting discrimination mm-hmm. based on one's hair texture or protective style, such as locks and braids. Went into effect, so what are they doing? So the school is trying to send a message. We don't give a damn about any laws around here as it relates to our ability to violate black people. How dare you pass a law saying we cannot be discriminatory? We'll show you, let's put her up. The irony of it all, Allie Booker, an attorney representing the family told CNN Tuesday that school officials have requested George and his mother to meet to discuss the continued disciplinary action over his hairstyle violations. The family has been given a Wednesday deadline to meet with school officials, the lawyer said. The mother told CNN the family is considering legal action. Um, Let's put them up. So in a statement shared with CNN, Director of Communications for the Independent School District said, the district is unable to provide any comment with respect to disciplinary action or matters involving a student. Lance Murphy is the principal of the high school and Dr. Poole is the superintendent. Buck stops with them, their leadership is on display, keep it up. Now, what do you notice here? Okay, not Who's a lot of hair. Right, exactly, <laughs> so they're upset. So they make a dumbass rule. I'm saying, hey, listen, if you have a lot of hair, we're gonna just suspend you from the school. Makes them feel inadequate. But the insanity of them passing, the insanity of the Crown Act version of the law passing in Texas. And that same week, they decided to do this to a black student. You know that black student did not just grow the hair that week. All right, thoughts here. No, I just think, I mean, this is why the Crown Act is important. And I remember yeah. when it passed, and I, I thought it was a huge step forward for Texas, a state that has gone backwards in so many ways. And I feel for Texans. And so in this case, I hope the family pursues legal action. Absolutely, get money, get money from the school district, because there are consequences when you discriminate against a child's hairstyle, you know, that is so arbitrary in terms of like the rules can't be longer than your ears, but that ultimately in practice, 
is racist. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you think it's not a big deal. Okay, who does it apply to? It seems kind of random. And then you're like, all right, nine times out of 10, who is being so called called out for this? Cuz you know there's probably been a white kid with like longer hair than that, oh, sure. right? But like that's not being called out. It's the same thing with workplace discrimination and all that. So good on them, we live in a litigious country. And if that's the only way to get them to act correct, then do it, time to sue. Yep, and the irony of it is this, you literally have a leadership in the administration who will say, well, parents should have the right to um, determine if their student gets vaccinated or not, sure. regardless of if it adversely impacts the rest of the children. Uh, parental choice, parental rights here, right? But a parent, a black parent in particular, should not have the right yeah. to have a student who has hair. It's insane. Okay, we'll bring you developments as they come. Um, hell of a story, a man decides to kill his neighbor because his neighbor was trimming well, the tree. Put him up full mass. Edward Druzelowski, a 78 year old Florida man has been charged with murder after he allegedly shot and killed a neighbor who was trimming trees. That's it, just trimming trees. According to him, it was along, along the property line. Brian Ford, let's put him up, 42 years of age, was trimming trees along a fence 45 miles north of Orlando. This was shortly after 7 p.m. on Sunday when his neighbor, old Edward, confronted him about being on his property, police said. Speaking to police, Edward said that he threatened to shoot Ford and Ford didn't leave. He shot him or it died at the scene. Edward also told the deputy, the affidavit says, he feared for his life. But then at the same time, acknowledged that he was never threatened. Brian Ford's mother, Lyndon Ford, 76 years of age, says that their eight-year-old grandson witnessed the fatal shooting as he stood next to his father. The neighbor came out and said, get off my lawn. And point blank shot him. The killer was booked in the county branch jail and being held is being held without bond Monday night, according to jail records. Earlier Monday, he made an initial appearance in court. He was ordered not to possess any guns. Court records indicate. Now, where are we at in this societal construct? There's a confusion, right? Guns, 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 you you have the right to kill anybody as long as you can just say, hey, you know what I felt like my life was in danger. This is how it has worked out for multiple individuals we have seen in the public sphere who decided to kill somebody and well, the threat wasn't real. But as long as they believed it was real, as long as they believed the person should die, all of a sudden it becomes legal or it becomes Involuntary manslaughter, 10 years probation, that'll show him. This man felt protected. He was empowered by the current state of our nation and the powers that be who are protecting individuals like him. Thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of all the recent cases this summer from Ralph Yarl being shot yep. on a porch uh, to the young, I believe two young women who were shot by pulling into the wrong driveway. I mean, we are for such a tough nation, for such a nation of alpha males and yeah, gun rights. Why are people who use guns actually some of the most cowardly MFers there are? Yep. Like truly, you couldn't talk to this person like an adult, you couldn't actually have a conversation, you couldn't have a discussion, you couldn't just sit with the fact that he's trimming a tree and you're mad. Just like, I mean, miss me with the whole like guns make us tough or safer at all. And you're right, it is a sick, twisted, honestly blemish on our society that people do this and can get away with it and and for no, absolutely nothing. So honestly, I don't know what it is, but it's just like, <laughs> Too many guns, I'm sorry, like I understand, I, yes, mental illness, yes, people are aggro and psycho, yes, people are racist. I truly come back to number one, guns. Yeah, access means something, that's why the nations, you don't see this kind of carnage because they don't have that kind of access. All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Always good to be with you. We got a lot of comments. Before I get to the comments, uh, it is here the manifesto that everyone has been waiting for. Jenks' book, all right, is actually a fascinating read. I was able to get an advanced copy. Uh, beautiful stuff. Justice is coming, available now. Make sure you check it out. It is available wherever books and audiobooks are sold. Get the book that's described. As optimistic, an optimistic prophecy, they say. Uh, the battle plan for progressives is here. Get your copy of Justice is Coming at tyt.com slash justice or at your local bookstore. It is a fascinating and remarkable read. All right, a lot of comments. We'll read as many as I can. RFD underscore Raymond underscore dragon, lawyer and friend <laughs> is an oxymoron because when push comes to shove, the lawyer always takes precedent. Yeah, uh, Tony Lad Merrillot, uh, you send your children to school so they can learn. Uh, this school is just teaching evil. Your hair has nothing to do with your ability to learn. Isn't it something? But it does have everything to do with your ability to learn when they decide not to teach you because of your hairstyle, right? Uh, key is the Amethyst Queen, 1972, member for 11 months, we here, thank you so much. Uh, Black Queen Jax, welcome to Indisputable, thank you. And Gabby Mathis, give the one Indisputable with Dr. Shawbridge membership, we appreciate you in advance. Bernie the Kiwi Dragon, is Rudy really going to keep suffering just to stick up for Trump? Listen, I'm not sure what kind of um, affection he has for Trump. But if you remember, I hate to bring it up and I wasn't going to say this, but your comment has taken us to that level. The young lady who accused Giuliani of sexually harassing her that worked for him said that he liked to engage in mm -hmm. sexual activity while being on the phone <laughs> with Donald Trump. Listen, y'all, I wasn't going to say that. Okay, don't blame me, blame Bernie the Kiwi Dragon. <laughs> Cuz he wanted to feel like Bill Clinton. It gets even worse. It's, it's so horrible. Oh. It's, 
But you, you realize start feeling bad for the guy. A little, but you realize, Doc, the almost. only recourse he has is flipping, right? If that's he, it. That's it. He knows all the legal stuff. He's the guy who was 50% of the pardon deal. You, right. you give us two million, I get a million, Trump gets a million, uh, you get a pardon. Everybody wins, right? Right, right. Okay, that's enough uh, to earn him a defense attorney as a prosecutor. <laughs> it's called flipping, turning state. Yeah, uh, we'll see. All right. Um, uh, so I got something for everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on him for having a barbecue on a In Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Hey, I just recorded you still pouring boiling water over my paint job. Hot water that's still steaming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. So why did you park at, in front of my house when there's a sign here saying, please don't? Oh, I'm darling. And the street is empty. Why would you park here? The street is not empty. Why would you park before. here? Why would you park here? I'm You've been here for over three hours because I've taken a photo of what time you got here and what time I've done this. Okay. I'm already going to court because there's probably a friend of yours. That was parked here last I'm, time. I'm sorry. I, I, oh, so <laughs> how, how did you happen to be there with your? I'm camera? sorry. So I just had. I was walking down the street. I just walked down when I was doing that. Okay, I'm going to call the police. Okay, go right ahead, Because that's uh, actually not. So, um, so you working here? International Karenicity here. Uh, the lady literally put feces of a domesticated animal on the vehicle and claimed that the woman was a member of some type of parking in front of her house conspiracy by saying the other person that did it is probably a friend of yours. Bam, that is the most unlikely thing on the planet. All right, so <laughs> thoughts here. Yeah, it, it, it's more probable that you live on a street in a society with yes. roads and yeah. cars. Have you thought about that? No? Okay, cool. Maybe you're living in the wrong part of town. Just like there's a reason that sometimes like the, the, the most unstable among us live in the middle of nowhere. No disrespect to the rural areas. Obviously, it's great. You want your space? I love it. But like, again, and the woman has been obsessed. Like she just she waits by the door for someone to park the way like I wait for like a package. You know what I mean? Just like, ooh, yeah. and she can't <laughs> wait. She got the ooh, she got the boiling water with poo poo in it. Ooh, you know. And there's a sign on her gate that's like, please don't park here. And this whole thing, like, calm down. It's a street. It's a public street. It's not your spot. Put some put cones up or something. You gotta do a better job. Yeah. Let, let's put up the sign again. All right. So the first mistake, don't write serious stuff in cursive. <laughs> Just don't do that. If you really want us to read it and pay attention, don't write it like that, okay? Don't don't make the fancy, you know, make it look ugly. Put it in big, bright yellow with I don't know, green words. Mm-hmm. We'll pay attention to that. Okay. <laughs> um, hell of a thing, do you remember 
the extreme road rage incident, guy driving a Tesla vehicle. Well, he has been sentenced to multiple years. Let me remind you of the incident. Here it is. Hey, Siri, call 911. The victims are still afraid to show their faces. Uh, this was such an extreme act of unprovoked violence. Put up the picture for a man. Notorious road rage driver, Nathaniel Walter Redemach, who gained the name of Tesla road rage guy has been sentenced to five years in prison for his extreme actions. In late 2022, Radamock targeted at least 10 people who also happened to be mostly women in a series of road rage attacks across the LA area. Police say they found both steroids and $30,000 in his vehicle during the arrest a few days back. On top of everything, Radamock is also facing a misdemeanor count of elder abuse, two misdemeanor counts of vandalism. KTLA also found a private Instagram account that seems to be Radamox also saying, talk to my crowbar. Let's put up the picture. My God. So his road rage rampage resulted in convictions on several felony counts, including criminal threats, vandalism, assault, and elder abuse. At least 10 people, by the way, mostly women, reached out to Eyewitness News saying the 36 year old violently attacked them in cities across Los Angeles County. Two victims learned of his sentencing after the news alerted them to it. And here's what they had to say. One said, and I quote, I just feel like he's going to get out and be infuriated, especially since all our names are in the public, in public mm-hmm. record. For the majority of us, said a woman who wished to be identified only as Gracia. Uh, she encountered Rodemach during an incident at a storage facility in Atwater Village in November 2022. I feel like it's definitely still not over, especially because five years is not enough. The second victim, identified only as Gabby, recalled the frightening encounter on the 101 freeway, which also took place in November. Her dash cam video led to the eventual conviction. A number of victims have remained in contact with each other through a group chat. They said members offer each other support and important updates. He was found guilty of criminal threats, vandalism, assault, and also once again, elder abuse, five years. To me, not enough because of the compounded reality of how many victims he tried to rack up. This person obviously could have killed people, right? So he has multiple victims. Is aggravated severely. It seems significantly calculated, just based on his $30,000, the continuation of going through LA County. And he tried to target what he considered to be the weak. All of these, in my opinion, would create special circumstances for enhanced sentencing. All right, yeah. pause here. 
I mean, and, and I don't always mean to bring this angle in, but this is indisputable. And we look at like sort of the underlying, you know, structures of things like white supremacy and, and racism. And, and you just gotta wonder if the guy was not white driving a Tesla and was like carrying a crowbar around and, you know, bashing people's cars in. He wouldn't have had 10 victims cuz it would have be would have been done by the first one, right? And just, you know, again, I think it, you know, 5 years I first saw this and I was like, "Damn, for road rage, wow, you better be careful." But then you think about it and and what the victim said really rings true, which is like, and this is the problem with our justice system generally, if there aren't lasting attempts at either consequences or honestly rehabilitation check-ins, what's this guy doing? Are we allowing him to have access to like all these steroids which clearly is making him a little unstable? Like if there isn't follow-up, 5 years is very little, right? And so I would hope that there's something more and I don't know, for his sake and for their sake, I hope he, I don't know, finds his God in prison. But I feel like he's just gonna do more steroids and pump more iron and be scarier. Yeah, and that's kind of what the witness, well, what the victim, excuse me, are saying. Because before this happened, he didn't know who they were. He was attacking people he thought were weak, right? Now he knows who they are. He knows their full names. He can find their addresses, it's the digital age. They are now more afraid in the aftermath than they were in the moment because of these additional variables of identification. All right, we got more on the other side is indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back, always good to be with you. We still have a lot on the agenda to cover. I'm going to highlight some of these comments as many as I can, okay. Yep, Justice Now says, when will this country stop discriminating against black people for wearing their hair the way it naturally grows out of their scalp? Yep, um, interesting. Code SM-96, always keep dash cam please for your own safety and for evidence. Talking about the road rage guy. Just thinking that, that's cr- like I don't have a dash cam, like do I, do I have to get a dash cam now? It's, it's coming to that point, right? And I know a lot of people will use their um, cell phone setting that can right. kind of become a dash cam if it's positioned correctly. Um, but it's getting to a point where I'm about to recommend a dash cam per car. Um, because, and not just for people like him, but for the police as well. Because right. if you're recording, they said with your uh, cell phone, uh, they'll end up taking your cell phone or arresting you just because they see your recording. Right. All right. And this is NPM. Karenicity knows no borders. <laughs> That's right. It's epidemic. Um, and yep, own the schmoopy dragon. Owen the schmoopy dragon. You don't own the street, Karen. You can't tell the Karen that. All right. Okay. A story that we broke right here on Indisputable. Two truckers went into a Denny. They were denied service and then the police called on them. They recorded the entire incident. Let me give you the recap, here it is. Um, excuse me, you know, we're, we're ready to place our order. And she goes, um, I don't like you yelling at me. He didn't yell, he wasn't rude, nobody was 
um, out of the ordinary. And then she goes, I just wanted to say we're ready to place our order. And then she goes, well, I don't need you people calling me over to this table like that. Then after that, he says, you know, but I, I saw that you serving other people and we just want to let you know that we're ready to place our order. Because like we said, we're not thinking racism or anything like that. So then she goes, um, you know what, I'm not serving you people. Um, you need to get your stuff now and go, I'm calling police. And then she snatches the menus out of our hands. Hey Tara, I was hoping to have an officer dispatched to our restaurant. We have a couple guests who are unruly and are refusing to leave. Are they being violent or have any weapons on them? Um, not to my knowledge. So I'm the regional manager. I'm actually getting ready to head in there. Um, I'm about 20 minutes out. Um, but the team called me and they said they're just like very confrontational and argumentative and um, <laughs> like refused to leave the building and just uh, harassing the team. So to make the situation more calm, because we do have a lot of people here, it would just be nice if you guys could leave. But we are. I can't what do wait we on do? guys. I have no idea. I'm not in the situation, but um, she, like, just like to make it more calm, she said, like, you guys can look how leave because we do have a lot of people around, or the police will be on it, because they are. Yeah, we talk outside Those gentlemen have now announced they are, they will, in fact, be suing that Denny's. Now, let me remind everyone of some additional context. They contacted us at Indisputable. We got on top of it right away, did our due diligence, and we broke the story. In that, roughly maybe 25 hours later, the VP of Denny's reached out to me through a mutual friend in media. Mm. This VP reaches out to me, tells me that the right thing is going to be done, et cetera, et cetera. Says all the right stuff. I'm in contact directly with the truckers who were discriminated against. So a few days after that, Denny's, they release a statement and they say, hey, and that's the VP there, let's put her up. Uh, hey, we have done the right thing. We have released, uh, we've uh, released the employee, meaning the local manager fired the waitress who did this to them. The waitress that did not serve them and allegedly will soon call the police. Well, come to find out, she did not call the police. In fact, it was Fletcher, the guy you saw in our update. So Fletcher is the guy who called the police. He's the regional manager, wasn't even at the location, was en route. Why is he calling the police? Because the woman who decided not to serve them, the waitress at the Denny's, well, that's his wife. They double teamed. And because Denny's did not disclose this truthful information, and we had to get it through alternative means, well, you're on my ish list for not being honest being decent and telling the truth. According to my records, he is still working for Denny's. Let's put him up full mass. Very good gentlemen here, very upstanding individuals. Damon Whitfield and Hector Madera.
The black truckers who were denied service at a South Dakota Denny's and had the police called on them said they are now pursuing legal action against the restaurant. They are being represented by two of the best civil rights attorneys, both Harry Daniels and Erica Wilson. At a virtual press conference on Monday, September 18th, Daniels, along with Wilson and clients, said the incident could have ended tragically. When the police came, anything could have happened. He likened the incident to discrimination of the likes of the Jim Crow era. Now, you got to think about the context of this. They were denied service. They were told to leave by the police. And they tried to contact leadership at Denny's to tell them what happened and nobody responded to them. That's the reason they reached out to Indisputable. There's more. According to Attorney Daniels, a lawsuit is underway. Quote, what we're hoping by the end of all of this is that Denny's will reach out and make some meaningful change. Attorney Erica Wilson, who also represents the trucker said, this is the opportunity for Denny's to be the poster child of how to get it right. Uh, well, they're not doing a good job so far. I'll put it up, oh mass. Uh, and I will say this to Denny's, if you get it right, I will report you got it right. If the truckers would like to say you got it right, I will say the truckers have said you got it right. I will report the facts. According to the original statement of press release by Denny's Corporation, the waitress in question was fired from her position at Denny's for the incident, stating, quote, as a result of the investigation, the franchise owner immediately took decisive action and the employee is no longer with the company. However, we uncovered that the waitress who refused to serve them is the wife, as I said, of the regional manager of the Denny's, Mr. Michael Fletcher. And it was Mr. Michael Fletcher who actually called 911, which was undisclosed by Denny's court. He was not fired. His wife had to take one for him. <laughs> Prior to this revelation, Indisputable spoke directly with Miss April Kelly Drummond, the VP of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion. Madam, I don't feel very included when you lie to me, when you decide to withhold information from the truckers and not be transparent with the communities that you have offended. Um, that's my opinion. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. All right. They keep passing the buck down, 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 down. But no, it goes all the way up, 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 up. And she's failing to do her job. And the regional manager obviously failed to do his job. I can't believe this is the year 2023 and two black truckers trying to get some <laughs> some pancakes and bacon. A grand slam were denied service because right. of the color of their skin. Last thing I'm gonna say about this, I'm glad that these people were fired. I do think more people need to be fired. It's incredible to me that in this country had this situation escalated because of the police presence and the police, heaven forbid, did something to injure or hurt or even kill those truckers. Guess who wouldn't be fired? They wouldn't be fired. Right. So interesting that Denny's, as terrible as it is, has minimal more accountability than the people who are supposed to protect us on a daily basis. Isn't that something? Um, and I can't imagine what may have happened if they said, no, we're not going anywhere. We did nothing wrong. This is a violation of the Public Accommodations Act. We're not going to get up. Okay, we will bring you updates as that lawsuit comes forth, and we will tell you 
Denny's response on record. We got more on the other side, indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We still got a lot of show left. Let me read a couple of these comments. Okay. Yep. Uh, Buy the flavor corn pop. Good. The two truckers are filing a good lawsuit against Denny's. That VP in particular who tried to act sweet or indisputable. Uh, get that restaurant on a couple, that waitress, the 911 caller, the lot in court ASAP. And I completely agree. Uh, and Jackie, now they're going to get a grand slam of a payout. <laughs> I like what you did there. Uh, very classic. Uh, and they could have handled this the right way. Full transparency, you know, the stuff that you're supposed to do. All right. Hell of a thing. We have an update. At a, well, let's just say at an adult entertainment location, this happened. Man tries to go in. He's armed. Bouncer steps up, probably saves a lot of life. The man is in a mask, trying to gain entry to possibly commit significant violence. And they beat his ass. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Um, and they didn't kill him. They didn't. They didn't shoot him. Put up the picture full mask. Um, obviously, these bouncers are not the police. Uh, video shows the dramatic moment a bouncer had to disarm a gunman from entering the strip club in Tampa. The security video shows the gunman can be seen approaching the entrance of Mons Venus. Manny Resto, a former professional wrestler, turned doorman, intercepted Michael oh. Rutman, 44. As he tried to force his way into the joint with a nine millimeter. Uh, this was about 1 a.m. in Tampa. Tampa Police Department said in a Facebook post that he had KILL written on his arms and two fully loaded magazines in his pockets, along with more ammunition, knives, firearm posters in his pickup truck as if he was going to reload. Uh, the hero, Manaresto, uh, says, and I quote, I saw him raise his hand and he had a gun. Resto said during a press conference afterward, I saw him pointed towards the door. And I decided that he was not going to enter the club and hurt anybody. Mm. You saw it. I mean, the man is not making up some local hero story. He actually is one. Okay, Tampa Police Department's interim chief, uh, Lee. Burkow said the bouncer, Manny Resto, potentially, not potentially, but he said potentially, stopped a mass shooting from taking place by disarming and apprehending the man. A single bullet was fired into the door of the club, but no one inside was hurt, police said. Other security guards joined Resto in subduing the gunman. And with one suffering minor injuries in the altercation, the gunman was arrested, is facing charges for aggravated assault, battery with a deadly weapon, among other charges. Uh, the motive is still unknown. Investigation underway. Uh, let's put up the picture again, full mass of the hero here. Not only did he save lives, not only did he save lives, he also 
did it in such a way that preserves the life of the individual who will face who will face the opportunity at his constitutionally given right of a court hearing, mm-hmm. a trial. All right. Yeah, he was just super lucky. I mean, that this this psycho got off very easy because you saw the bouncer disarm him and point yep. the gun at him, his own gun at him. I mean, clearly this whole mass shooting was poorly planned. Obviously, it is even disgusting to even say that in a time where we have mass shootings every single week, every single day, truly. But the dude was not prepared to do what he wanted to do and kill the people he wanted to kill. And look, I'm someone who is no fan of bouncers. I feel like they've carded me one too many times when I was younger and I'm still mad. No, but when there are good bouncer stories, let's celebrate them. Cuz like people want to have fun, people want to club, people want to go to yeah. A nudie bar, like whatever. I don't think that's what they're called, but you know what I'm saying. They want to like be in peace, and these are the folks who are helping them do that. So, um, you know, kudos to him uh, for being incredibly brave after a shot was already fired. Um, hello, Uvalde cops could take a page out of Manny's book. There you go. Well said. All right, this is a hell of a story. An attorney, prominent attorney in Atlanta, shoots, kills his wife, blames it on black people. Not saying they did it, he just said he grabbed his gun because he was afraid of them and then the gun just went off. Somehow he admits to the shooting and still blames black people for why he ended up accidentally killing his wife. He gets convicted, a jury, here's the evidence. The high court of Georgia overturns the conviction on the technicality while agreeing, yeah, he probably did it. Put up the picture for a mask. Hell of a story. All right, a prominent Atlanta lawyer is now facing a new trial over the shooting death of his wife. Claude Lee Tex McClever, the third, the former Metro lawyer whose conviction in the shooting death of his wife was overturned by the Georgia Supreme Court. Here's a recap. They were big time power couple. Here you have the vice chair of the state elections board, who's a prominent Atlanta lawyer. You have this strikingly beautiful, incredibly successful businesswoman. On the night of September 25th, 2016, Tex McIver shot and killed his wife, Diane. The McIvers were heading home after a long day of golfing and an evening of drinking. With a close friend at the wheel, Tex fell asleep in the back seat. Diane is seated in the passenger seat. Tex is seated right behind his wife. Not far from home, they hit traffic and exited the highway. Tex says he woke up, saw homeless people, and became worried. A spokesman would later say that Tex asked for his gun because he was afraid of carjackers and Black Lives Matter protesters. With that loaded gun now in his lap, Tex says he fell back asleep. I was handling the gun, uh, and I realized it was in my lap, right, and it went off. Gun expert, Vert Davis. Can a 38 Special just accidentally go off? Never known it to happen. You have to pull the trigger. Yeah, all right, let's put him up. So he gets convicted. Uh, jury of his peers kind of stuff, right? 
Um, but then there's a twist. Uh, so the Atlanta lawyer gets convicted, Georgia Supreme Court overturns it. He's back in court for a new trial. He was convicted in 2018 for felony murder and possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony. Why? Because Claude killed his wife, Diane. There was never any dispute about Claude shooting his wife. The question at trial was whether he meant to do it or not. Prosecutor said that he was driven to kill her because he coveted his wife's money. Defense attorney says, uh, nonsense, nonsense. Claude loved his wife dearly and her death was a terrible accident after he had fallen asleep with the gun in his hand. A Fulton County jury found Claude guilty of felony murder, aggravated assault, possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony and influencing witnesses in connection with the death of his wife. He was sentenced to life in prison. However, in June of 2022, the Supreme Court reversed the conviction because they said the trial court, they well erred when they decided to not allow the jury to consider the involuntary manslaughter offense. That's still very debatable in my opinion. Then presiding justice Michael Boggs, who is now the court's chief justice, wrote the unanimous opinion. Now check, check this out, he says, and I quote, while the state's evidence was sufficient to support the appellant's conviction for murder. In other words, we know he did it, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, without any intention, uh, without any intention of doing so in the commission of an unlawful act, uh, while the high court overturned the uh, murder conviction, it did uphold uh, the uh, influencing of witnesses. After the high court's decision, the Florida County DA's office filed a new motion uh, saying that they're going to retry the guy on felony murder, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony. In his motion for a new trial, the district attorney's office notes the Supreme Court found there was enough evidence at trial for a rational jury to conclude beyond a reasonable doubt that the man was guilty of the crimes for which he was convicted. A new trial is set to begin Wednesday, should be a doozy. All right, hell of a thing, I mean, damn, talk about a get out of jail free card. You literally admit you did it, you blamed it on people that were not present, you then try to influence the witnesses Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't appear that you did it. You get convicted by a jury and you still get out of jail. Gosh, this is unbelievable. That's how you know you have power, right? And these local, I mean, honestly, local criminals and murderers, I mean, like they're not like the people, they're not the so-called, you know, homeless people or the Black Lives Matter folks that he and mainstream news tell us we're supposed to be afraid of, you know, all this. No, no. It's guys like MacGyver who have local power, who are this power couple who get drunk and maybe get in an argument, kill their wives. It like like that is who we should be afraid of. They're the ones who are truly above the law. I'm glad they're reopening this. I'm glad he's gonna get tried. What's he think he's gonna get? Like a slap on the wrist? Get out of here, man. The fact that you were trying to influence the witness is perfect evidence. The fact that you're that you're lying, that it didn't right. happen the way you said it happened. That's called guilty evidence of a guilty conscience, right? If you didn't do it, you're trying to tell the witnesses, please tell the truth. Just tell the truth, because you know I didn't do it. But if you witnessed something else, all right, always good to have you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Yeah, listen to me on the Bituation Room podcast, Tuesdays and Fridays, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And follow me at Franny Fio, wherever you can follow people. All right, always a pleasure. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Doc.
All right, we got more. Bullpen is next. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of comments. I will read as many as I can. I'm kind of pressed for time. Um, I think this is Stevatas Vach. Uh, excuse me if I have mispronounced it. The school administrators didn't believe or didn't behave, excuse me, well with these decisions. That school needs to be examined more closely. Um, talk about being suspended over hair. Read. Um, and oh, thank you. You also said, uh, well done, Doc. Uh, we need to praise the good deeds too. Uh, that's right. And uh, the bouncer, I mean, just did an amazing job. The man saved lives. You got to applaud that every day. Every day. Yep. Um, Funkin for fun. I've been a bouncer, security before. Uh, today, when everyone has a gun, especially in Florida, I couldn't imagine. I definitely understand that. And, um, yep. Obadiah Hotel B1, our Karen's and racist always playing the victim. Yeah. Jackie O, uh, now they're gonna get a grand slam. Oh Yeah, we already did of a payout. It doesn't get old though, that's that's a good one. When the payout happens, I'm probably gonna take that quote, right? But I will give you credit for it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. All right, in the bullpen today, we have another story of someone who was experimented on, used as a guinea pig. We have been covering these stories to provide light, advocacy, and hopefully justice. We have on the show today, Mr. Irvin Moore. Mr. Moore spent 52 years in prison on a life sentence, and he has a significant story about what happened to him. And advocate Adrian Jones Austin, reentry advocate for those who have experienced this kind of suffering. Her father suffered abuse at the Holmesburg prison as well. I thank you both for being on the show. I wish it was under better circumstances. How are you? Well, thank, Hello, you, for having, you. thank you for having me, Dr. John. Yes, sir. Yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. Um, so, let me do this. I want to make sure we update the story so that people will be reminded of what this story is about. And then we're going to get into the interview. Here it is. Unethical human experiments conducted on mostly black prisoners at Holmesburg Prison. Approximately 300 men were exposed to herpes, skin blistering chemicals. And on that block, the horror of living started for me. It was a radiation study. It put circles on your back, and the and the radiation would take your um, skin down to the white meat, and, and then they would put some kind of salves on it to bring it back. Wow! I put up the picture of the monster who led the experiment. <laughs> We'll get it in post. I'm going to say his name 
is Dr. Albert M. Kligman. All right, it's very important we keep his picture out there because this is the man who went facility to facility. He worked at the University of Pennsylvania. University of Pennsylvania provided an apology as to their involvement in this insanity. Um, let me start with uh, you, Adrian, and thank you again for your continued advocacy. Um, provide to us some additional context as to these experiments, and then we're going to talk to Mr. Moore about his personal and direct experience. Yes, uh, and, and thank you again, uh, Dr. Ritchie, for providing this platform so that we can get our stories out. Um, I just want to add to uh, the introduction about Holmesbury Prison and uh, exactly, just add a little more to get the audience a better idea of what happened there. Um, Holmesbury Prison is in Philadelphia and between 1951 and 1974, it was the site of the most heinous and unethical experiments performed on human beings. Dr. Albert Kligman of University of Penn was the engineer of these experiments. In the midst of these experiments, he invented a very popular skincare product called Retin-A. Retin-A is a multi-million dollar product that is still patented by University of Penn, which they're still profiting from, made off the skin of these men and women's backs. Over 33 pharmaceutical companies invested and profited. The CIA, the US Army, Dow Chemical, DuPont, and others. They got rich off of the the skin of these people's back. And it's sad because my father, Leotis Jones, was the whistleblower and uh, of these experiments when he was incarcerated in Holmesburg. And um, as a result of that, when he was released, he organized the other survivors and they began to campaign for apologies and reparations and medical care for each of them to no avail. Although University of Penn did offer medical treatment, they didn't trust the process after what they had already experienced at the hands of Dr. Clickman, who was funded by University of Penn. But my father and another inmate named Alan Lawson, they were invited to Capitol Hill to testify during the Kennedy Senate as to why they thought these experiments were unethical. Well, as a result of that and public outcry and some other pressure that was applied, the experiments were eventually stopped. Let me say, yes, go ahead. Go ahead. When my father returned, now my experience with these, how they affected me, when my father returned home from prison from Holmesburg, It didn't take much for him to go from the mild man of father that he was to an irate person. I had no understanding as a child what caused this change in my father. But one day I entered the room and he had a shirt off. And I saw the sores on his back and it was so ugly and hideous. I ran from my father, I was afraid of him. I didn't know what was going on, I was around five or six years old, I thought he was turning into a monster because that was my animated mind as a child. I was afraid of my father. Um, His irate behavior caused issues in the house, uh, within the family. It destroyed the marriage. My childhood was destroyed. You know, uh, these experiments contributed to a downward spiral in my life, well into my adulthood. 
Yep. And not far from it. Um, I was diagnosed as being. <sighs> I was diagnosed as being emotionally disturbed at the age of 16. I ran away from home. I had no understanding why and how things happened. I was just a dysfunctional person because of the, the, the horrible things I saw him do. Um, we had to move away from him. You know, I had to help my mother take care of the children. I had no childhood. You know, I when I when I met the other survivors, a lot of things didn't come together for me until I met them. And I started piecing some things together. And I was like, well, this is that and their story sounds so familiar. It, it added up to how my father was behaving. So he was chemically damaged. Uh, my father and countless other inmates were damaged in that prison, released back to their families and the community of Philadelphia wreaking havoc. Some of them were fortunate enough to bounce back. Some of them died, you know. Uh, <laughs> some of them well up into their 80s are still suffering. I talk with the survivors, we have close relationships of the ones that I've met. And the poor guy who drank the diet shake is still being treated in his 80s for colon issues. You know, the, the digestive issues, it mm -hmm. deteriorated his colon. You know, it's, it's sad and what I wanna add is, it's just alarming to think about these terrible and inhumane experiments and the um, attention that we gained during this campaign from the city of Philadelphia. They apologized, people apologized, they said they're sorry. But when, it, when, we, when I approached them during this campaign, no one has any interest in helping us with this healing campaign. Because we need to heal from this. That's right. The families need to heal from this. The community of Philadelphia need to heal, heal from this. And no one seems to have any interest in helping us. They have an election coming up in Philadelphia. And I listen to the politicians saying what they'll do to the, for the community. How are they gonna do this? How are they gonna do that? But yet this horrible history that's not gonna go away, is not going anywhere. My father fought for decades for justice. Now here I am. My children yeah. were affected because I was affected. So this is a generational issue. Accountability, we want accountability. We want um, reparations. Uh, we want these very rich people who benefited off of us to come up and say, hey, what can we do to help you guys through this healing process? We shouldn't have to go through uh, having marches and rallies and, and, and going here and going there and trying to contact them. These are well-educated individuals who know better. I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly. And I wanna remind everyone that the uh, uh, monster, Dr. Kligman, um, actually said he wanted to do more, that it was a mistake to close down those uh, prison experiments uh, that also included um, removing the nails from individuals' fingers. Yeah. Uh, it included um, something like a radiation um, substance. Uh, adverse effects all happening under the guise of research, people being paid a dollar a day. Uh, getting money on commissary, it was insane. Now, let me go to Mr. Moore. Mr. Moore, we want you to tell us your story. Yes, sir. Um, again, as Adrian said, first I wanna thank you for this opportunity. 
an opportunity that a lot of us feel is long overdue. As you stated in your introduction, I served 52 years in prison. I've only been home two years. So what everything that Adrian is talking about is fresh in my mind. In 1969, I was 22 years old. I went to prison, I went to Holmesburg prison, which is a dank, dark, dangerous place. And one of the things that made it different from any other prison in Philadelphia was they had experimentations that we didn't know about. Now, we're young, illiterate for the most part, but poor black and brown men and women that are coming through those institutions. One of the things that we needed desperately was money. Some guys need money for bail. Some guys need money for their lawyers. Some guys needed money just to exist in that environment. Being very young and impressionable, all we knew when we saw the guys in the white coats was that we could get some money from these tests, quote unquote, that they were conducting. Now, one of the first things that we asked was, well, are these dangerous? The answer from them was inexplicable because it was no. No, they're not dangerous. And we did not know, Dr. Richie. So we believed them. These were power figures. These were figures of authority. So we went along with what they said. Now, in terms of the experimentations, I've had some of everything for the most part done to me, with the exception of the radiation. But I've had, you mentioned your nails taken out. I had them cutting on my fingers, taking parts of my nails out. I had them putting patches, liquids on my back, caustic substances that ate into my skin. I was on a six month, what was called a milkshake test. So we were ingesting substances that we did, had no idea what this was. This is all we could ingest three times a day. So even today, I'm having troubles digestibly. Now, whether or not this was caused by the test, I don't know because I'm not a doctor. But I would dare say that all my life prior to that, I had been a healthy young man. Now. Of the 52 years that I was incarcerated, I thank God for this opportunity that he's given me. He's given me a second chance. He's given me a second chance. In paraphrasing something that I read, this second chance is not only for me, but it's for those people in my life. It's for the people uh, that are in my neighborhood. It's for the forgotten men that were lost in Holmesburg prison that never made it out. because. There were hundreds of us, and Adrian and I have tried to conduct a survey to determine how many of us are left. And I've come up with at least 40 or 50 of us. Now, remember, I'm talking about a time from 1969, 52 years ago, and I'm 77 years old today. There's not that many of my elders, like, Adrian's father, who was my old head, who was my elder, but it's not too many of those guys left. There are not too many of my peers even in existence. But when I think about the 52 years, and I was in I was in Greater for one of the most notorious 
penitentiaries in Pennsylvania. But when I think about the 52 years, I still have nightmares from the Holmesburg prison experiments. I still have nightmares from that period of my incarceration. The reason that I'm so thankful for this opportunity that you give us this platform is because people need to know. Lest we forget, history is replete with the examples of people forgetting and repeating horrendous acts. I mean, the Tuskegee experiment, the Japanese incarceration, I mean, and slavery itself. These are all acts that I see repeated in what was happening to us. And there were people who, if we're going to talk about finances, people who made millions, including the United States government. One of the tests that I tried to get on prior to starting this 52-year sentence, because I had been there before. I was there when I was 17 years old. And I was trying to get on a test that was called the Army Study. It was going to pay more than anything else that had ever come in there because the other tests would pay maybe $5, $7, $10. And at that time, under those conditions, to us, that seemed a lot of money. I look back on it now and I cringe at how gullible and naive we were. But that's one of the things that they used that they had going for them. Can you tell us about the army test? What was The army test, I tried to get on that test. I was admitted on the test. It was going to put us in trailers away from the general population for approximately four months. Mm. The day that they called for us to come over for the test, I went. I had everything that I needed to, to have, and I walked over there, and they stopped me at the door and said, Mr. Moore, I said, yes, sir. They said, you're not 21 years old. I said, uh, and I wasn't, of course. So they denied me admission. But oh my Lord, I am so glad they did. I'm so wow. glad they did because that's what we're talking about radioa- radioactive materials. Yep. On the skin or ingested. And I don't know, I don't know if I would be here today if I had. Con- so I thank God for that. You know, but um, again, go ahead. that is part of our experience and part of the reason why we're on here so that we can educate people, let people know what this is about and let the families of the men that were lost or the men that were subjected to this, let the families know that there's someone supporting this as an issue for them. And I want people who are viewing this, I want them to know exactly how they can advocate for you, partner with you. Um, Last time, Ms. Adrian, you you were on the program, I told you I would reach out to a senator and I did. I reached out to Senator John Ossoff and Senator Ossoff returned my call. uh, And I'm going to put you all in touch with each other. Uh, There are some good and decent people in the world who hear you. And I wanna make sure clearly they have an opportunity to get in touch with you. We are pressed for time. But Ms. Adrian, if you could provide that information, that direct contact for those who would like to help you get justice for not only the victims, but also for the victims, family members like yourself. You were victimized as well by extension. 
um, due to their insane actions. So Ms. Adrian, how can they contact? Yes, um, we could be contacted through our website. Uh, the website address is Jones Found, F-O-U-N-D 09.com. Jones Found 09.com. That's our website. There's a link where you can send emails. Uh, you can look around and see some of the uh, work that we've been doing. Um, and order a t-shirt to support us. That's up there too. So jonesfound09.com is our contact information. I want to say uh, thank you to both of you for your time. Um, we're going to continue to stay on this. We are a platform of truth. Um, there are no, no scared individuals on this team. All right, okay. uh, we go where the truth leads us. Um, my continued prayers and um, obviously advocacy will remain with you. And please keep us updated on progress and I will be in touch with you, Miss Adrian. Thank you both. Yes, thank you both. Yes, okay. Thank you. All right, remember, take care of yourselves. Yes. Take care of each other. Yes, sir. Take care of the, take care of the planet. Until next time. Indisputable is still the fastest growing news show in America compared to CNN, Fox News, and 30 other networks. We tell the truth on indisputable because the truth is indisputable. We go places that other news media outlets refuse to go. When there were human rights abuses happening at the Victorville prison, guards and members of the community contacted us. You, through your investigative reporting, unearthed very troubling allegations about specific forms of abuse and discrimination in the federal prison system. It really doesn't take much to be a trusted voice. All it takes is to be fearless, report on matters, be an advocate. I called it the bullpen intentionally because it's a place of preparation. We present individuals who may have an opposing view, so we debate. Sometimes we interview individuals because their stories deserve to be heard. A survivor of significant police misconduct and his attorney. We covered this story earlier and to remind you of the horror of one man being shot at damn near 100 times by the police. We take time on this show to showcase the temper tantrums of Karens in the wild. We do this not because we wanna see people's emotional outbursts in public, but because these incidents are emblematic of a bigger societal issue taking place across the nation, and it has to be checked. My friend, my big homie, attorney at law, Benjamin Crump. I just wanna thank you, man. When educated, articulate brothers like yourself speak truth to power, it makes a great difference in changing the landscape in America. Listen, no matter what you do, don't allow the politics of ideology to evaporate the soul that still exists inside of you. They don't stop, I don't stop. Racism won't stop, I won't stop. Systemic bias won't stop, I won't stop. People still need health care, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform, so I won't stop. You won't stop either.